Welcome everybody to the R&B podcast. You know it's lit and it's love like in our past. Be free, be Latrice, can we do it? Holding that talk, cause you know we getting to it. Powered by the king, so our love is his magic. Speaking that truth, and you know you gotta grab it. The love is authentic, so you know you gotta have it. Classic R&B, you now rocking with the badges. Welcome to the Classic R&B podcast. I am your host, Miss Brittany Latrice Badgett. And I'm Robbie Free Badgett. And we want to welcome you to Life Behind the Badgett Scenes. Join us as we dive a little bit deeper into the life of newlyweds. We'll be having some hard conversations. Maybe even some friendly debates. But no matter what, it's all in good taste. So come on in, take a seat, and turn up your new fave genre. That's right. It's classic R&B. What's up? What's going on, everybody? It's your girl, B. Latrice. Be free. And we are back for another episode of the Classic R&B Podcast. So, A.O.B. What up, B? I think I got a story to tell. I know what you're about to tell, and I can't wait to hear this story. Oh, gosh. Go ahead and tell it. It was the spring <laughs> of 2019. I'm just playing. I'm not going to do that, because when B did that, yo, it had me sleep. It had me sleep. Um, But it was it was the spring of 2019. And I traveled from Boston, Massachusetts to Los Angeles, California with two goals in mind. One, to see my brother get married. And two, to meet my father for the very first time. So if you know anything about me, then you know that, you know, I have a a history where my father was not present. My biological father just was not present. And for much of my life, I'm 32 now, um, for much of my life, 31 years actually, I did not know who my father was, where he was, or anything about him. It was actually in 2012 that I even found my father for the very first time via the internet. And after finding him on the internet and ended up reaching out to him, getting his number, that was the first time that I had ever seen him, and that was through a picture that he sent me on his cell phone. Um, we attempted to, you know, just dis- not discover, um, build a relationship after that but it never quite worked out however god was so faithful that he gave me the opportunity to meet my father for the first time um it was such a god story honestly you guys and how all of that even worked because prior to um or not prior but after meeting rob like i had said like told god like there were some things that i really wanted to get handled there were some things that i really wanted to do before we got married and one of those things was to deal with my daddy issues one of those things was to get to the root of how i felt and was even to try and find some sort of resolve within myself um just about that entire situation and so my brother ended up getting engaged not long or not long after i met rob and the god part of the story i'm not going to get too too deep into it just for the sake of time but the god part of the story is that my brother had initially was scheduled to get married this year in 2020 but they at the last minute decided to move everything up and when they moved it up they moved it up before my wedding again my prayer was that i would be able to handle certain things before my wedding i wanted to walk down my aisle of my wedding as whole as i possibly could and so when they changed the date they strategically positioned me in a place to not only be able to support my brother but to be able to be face to face with my father right um i ended up going to my brother's wedding because i knew that that was the probably going to be the only time 
that I would have the opportunity to see this man where he would not be able to back out. He wouldn't be able to cancel. He had this to show up. This was the first time you saw your father face ever, to face? Ever. Ever? Yeah. I've never seen my father before um, outside of a picture. Um, and so, yeah, and even with that, again, like, I found my father in 2012 but never seen him face-to-face until 2019. So there was a seven-year period between uh, discovering and actually meeting. Um, so I get to L.A. Um, it's the day of the wedding. I'm in the limousine. We're pulling up to the beach where my my brother got married, and I see this little short man outside walking. <laughs> and I knew who he was because, of course, I knew what he looks like. Um, and I was feeling all the feels, you guys. Like, I was anxious. I was nervous. I was excited. I didn't even know how he was going to receive me. So I was feeling a little like, okay, what if this is weird? Like, what if he doesn't want to hug me? Or what if he's not happy to see me? Even though he knew I was coming and he told me he was excited, whatever. Like, he can switch up sometimes. So I didn't know what I was really going to get. Um, so we pull up to the beach and I got out of the car and we embraced for the first time. And it was just this, like, feeling of, like, finally you know finally I get this moment um and I just cried you know it was it was a beautiful day it was a beautiful moment and so um yeah after that I got the opportunity to kind of go to his house and spend some time with him and we had some much needed conversations and you know that was the start of our of our of our actual relationship I would say so now that was what year again last year 2019 April 2000 April 25th 2019 to be exact that was the first time in the flesh that you met your biological father first time in the flesh at least of course that I could ever remember I I think to my knowledge like my parents um severed communication if you will when I was like a baby baby like a few months old so I honestly don't even know that he ever saw me as a child really so I think this was just the first time he of course had seen me in pictures and stuff um, before we actually met, but we had never seen each other. Before. For those who don't know, where are you from? Like, where? Like, how did the story I'm from like? Compton, California. Yay! I'm from California. Oh, okay. Right. And so, he, you, you, you clearly you were conceived in California and yeah. your mom. Your mom and him never California. married. <laughs> what do you mean? You mean you so, said? let me tell you. These Boston people... When they say words that end in A, they always add an ER to it. So it's not California. It's California. Say it, baby. California. Exactly. You just what do you say, mean? You just say When you listen back to this playback, you'll know what I mean. California. It's California. No, it's California. California. California love. So he and your mom were never married, though, right? Nah. So they dated. What, like, what was the, how did the breakdown happen? Do you know? No. Really? Not really. I mean, they dated, <laughs> and then I was conceived. Did I your mom really ever know. talk about, like, no. hey, your dad is... No. Really? We never talked about him at all, so it wasn't... Uh, I didn't have very much of a reference point of him from when I was a child. Now, you originally, you found him on Facebook, or did you find your brother first? I found him. You found him first? So, yeah. I I didn't know anything about my brothers. My mom had told me that there I had brothers, but I didn't know anything about them. So it was hard. I didn't know their names or anything, so I couldn't look for them. The only name that I had was his. So when I I initially did not Your mom want, gave you his name now? Yeah. Okay. I initially did not want to find him when I was younger. Like, okay. Mm. Going back. Let's go. Let's go there. I always wanted to find him because I always had this voice. So I grew up in a two-parent household still. 
I had a stepfather who I do not call my stepfather because he's been there since I was three. So gotcha. for all intents and purposes, that's my dad. Gotcha. Um, but I always had a two-parent household from the age of three all the way up. So I always had a father figure, but I always still felt a void. There was still mm. always something that was missing, and I always felt the absence of my biological father. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of people, you know, they're like, oh, well, you had a father. I did have a father. But it's something in that DNA, baby. Yeah, that's like we were at our marriage group last night. There's something about that spiritual connection right. that you have with your biological parents. And so I never, like, in, that never went away. Even though I had a, 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 a present father who was in the home, like, the longing and the void that I had for my natural father, yeah. that never went away. And so as I grew, it became even more pressing. Like, I just felt it. Even, you know, I think back to my high school graduation, and I I don't remember a lot of things from, like, my childhood and my past and all that. But yeah, I just yeah, yeah. very specifically remember um, thinking about my high school graduation and having thoughts of, like, I don't even know what my father looks like. So even if he were to show up to my high school graduation, I would never know. Mm. You know what I mean? Like I could look up in the stands and he could very well have been there, yeah, yeah, but yeah. I would have never known because I didn't even know what the man looked like. And so I had a lot of thoughts like that growing up, but I did not want to make any type of move to find him because I didn't want to slight the father that I already had. Right. And I always felt like, okay, well, if I try to find my biological father, then that's like slapping my stepfather yeah, in the yeah, face yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, telling him like, he's not good enough. Like right. I, I know you took care of me for all of these years, but I got to go find this man who mm-hmm. seemingly and appearingly did not want anything to do with me for all of these years. So I just kept it to myself. It was not something that I ever talked about. Yeah. Um, it was very personal, like internal battle, if you will, that I just, did not speak about mm-hmm. um so one of the things though like like you mentioned the importance of you wanted to have this done before you got married like and one of the things that you find a lot is people in general male and female that you don't hear a whole lot about well you got some unresolved mommy issues but you do hear a lot about which well, maybe you got some, right right but we just don't talk about it. Right, right. right. But I have so I think I have some mommy issues. Okay, that'll be on the next episode. <laughs> <laughs> not like, but they're no, but, are not. But as if you think about it, like if you listen to as I listen to your story, um, there's there's little pieces that I learn every time that you tell it, and like I didn't know that there was like never any real conversations at all from your mother about you to your dad about your dad to you. No, you know no. what I mean? Like there's no. It's, it's like you weren't immaculately conceived and you don't know what, you know, her reasons were behind that or what the, the, the dynamics of the relationship was or, or what kind of thought process her headspace was in, you know, because my mother, she would tell me, like, listen, she didn't she knew my father very well because she was married to him. But she didn't, you know, she didn't tell me about him per se, but she's like, she didn't, you know, that's your dad. You're going to go spend time with him. But she knew a lot about his character, but she didn't, you know, form my opinion of him. You yeah, know I what I mean? I didn't have an opinion. Right, right. That's just interesting. Anything. That's interesting. Didn't, we didn't talk about him. He wasn't ever a conversation yeah, that's interesting. that came up. So I didn't really have an opinion of my father. He was just, so because I did not have an actual, excuse me, an actual opinion of my father, I formulated the one that I mm. thought was. Which right. was what? What, to, what did that you he form? just didn't care. He didn't want me and that he abandoned me, mm. which to be honest, I don't, I don't, my parents have two stories. Which ones do you mean? Of, which, which parents? So my mom and my, my bio dad, okay. they have like, they have two stories essentially. Some of it coincides. So I don't, I, I, I've made the resolve that I didn't really care and I wasn't going to try and figure out the logistics of how and why. 
Wow. Because none of that matters. And that is something that I just want y'all to know. Because when I first found my father, like, I had all these questions. And getting the answers to those questions absolutely did nothing for me. Did you get to, you had I questions? You asked? I did get some of the answers. And it just, what, it didn't really matter. Like, even having the answers didn't change how I felt. It didn't mm-hmm. matter at all. And so, I do feel like we see closure in people's responses. But I got responses and I did not get closure. The uh, wound was still open, so it didn't do anything. What wound? Do you feel like the the little girl wound was still open? Yeah, just kind of like the why. I mean, that's the the natural question: why? Mm-hmm. Why weren't you there? Why didn't you find me? You know what I mean? And yeah, yeah, yeah. there's nothing you can really say that's gonna make it better because you can say, it "Oh, I fix tried." That it happened. Yeah, you could tell me, "Oh, I tried to find you," but the reality is, I tried to find you too, and I did. So how come I was able to, in like six months? <laughs> And it's been, I'm 31 now. So, you know what I mean? Like, or at the time I wasn't, I was like 24. But still, it's like, it doesn't, it just, it doesn't. So what uh, happened between 24 and 31? You found him, but the first time you saw him was years later. Yeah, because he just, you know, uh, he wasn't, he just still wasn't very present. And I don't know his reasoning behind that. I don't know if it was still like a shock factor of, you know, he knew I existed. So I was never like this, like random child that popped back up Mm -hmm. or that popped up it was i was his child that popped back up um so i think say that again i said he knew that i existed so it wasn't like i was a random child that popped up i was just his child that popped back up that was the bar right there (laughs) that was heavy um so it it wasn't like oh like who is this child and where does she come from it immediately it was Oh, yeah, I know who you are. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, it wasn't, it never, there wasn't Could you tell that, though, when you saw him? Like, he knew, I know. Yeah, when I talked to him for the very first time, he knew exactly who I was. Really? It was never, like, there was never a denial. There was never a, you know, and I know some people experienced, but there was never a, oh, you're not my father. I mean, you're not my daughter. There was never that. When he saw me. Was he there when your mom gave birth to you? I don't think, I don't think so. Mm. When he saw me, he knew that I was his child. And when. My aunt, like, because I had talked to her on Facebook and stuff, like, I had got acquainted with them and all that. But when she saw me, everyone who saw my picture immediately said, oh, yeah, you're Eric's daughter. There no, was I can see no that. I can see <laughs> that. And, and when you showed the pictures of him, like, you were sending me stuff when you had went down there. And, like, your facial structure, you know, his eyes, yeah, his skin tone. Yeah, there was no denying it. So like, he oh, couldn't he deny it if he wanted to. Like, every single person... And his side of the family who saw my picture, they, oh, yeah, that's that's Eric's child because his genes are so strong. And mm-hmm. we all, like, if you look at my little sister who lives with him. And you're both little we and short. look, yeah, he's very short. Me and my little sister, like, she is me when I was a kid. Like, I like I look at her and I literally see myself. Yeah, see There's that. no, yeah. you know what I mean? There's just no denying. So he never denied who I was. He never tried to deny it. He immediately embraced the fact that I was present. Um, so I never dealt with like that type of rejection, but then over the course of the seven years, like mm. there was just a lot that happened. Um, you know, I would go back home to visit thinking that I would meet him. And for whatever reason, like he just wouldn't show up or he wouldn't answer text messages mm. or he would stop responding. And so he kind of stood me up a few times. Um, and so that ended up leading to a space where I just didn't want anything to do with him. Right, right, right. And so I cut him off for like two years and we just didn't speak from, I guess from two from December twenty sixteen to like March maybe eight mm-hmm. when did I take father's like February ish yeah, 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 yeah. February twenty nineteen so there was like a two almost three year oh well not really almost so about two year period where we just didn't speak because I had got fed up 
with just him being present. This is my issue or the issue that I had. Had or have? Had. Mm-hmm. When I found my father at like 24, I was willing to forgive the first 24 years that he was not absent because mm-hmm. I didn't know what happened. I could not prove anything. So there was no point in me being mad about something that I couldn't do anything with. And it was over. It was over. Right. I was willing. Like I was, I came into the situation with the open mindset of at this point, you know, all that is in the past. It is what it is. Can't do anything about it. Shaped who I am. You know what I mean? Like there's nothing I can do. But what I am concerned about is what happens from this day forward. Mm -hmm. So in looking back like later on in like 2016, 2017, when I looked back, I was pissed because I felt like you didn't have an opportunity. You didn't have a choice from birth to 24, but you had a choice from 24 to 31 and you made it. And that choice did not readily mm. include me all of the time. Right. And so I was more upset with him for the last seven years than I was for the first 24. Interesting. And so that was something that I, I again, had to resolve. And even with meeting him, like, I had to go into that experience with an open mind of, okay, I'm not going to go down there angry. How like, did that's you not feel, though, like, getting out the car? I was nervous. I was anxious. But I was excited. I mean, one thing that I had done prior to meeting him was I had already forgiven him. Did you? Yeah. You feel like I you took did the that father's the father's Yeah. Uh-huh. So I took a class um, or a course, if you will, for like three days that was all centered around father wounds father and daddy wounds, issues yeah. and, and healing from those things. So Orphan heart I do feel like I, I have forgiven him before I met him. Mm. So that made the experience a different experience because I wasn't going searching for answers. I wasn't going trying to find a resolve. I literally was just going for the experience of being able to say that I met my father. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was anxious. I was nervous, but I was excited because this was something that was like very long in the making. And I didn't know if it would actually ever come to fruition or if it was always just going to be a thing that I mm-hmm. thought and I hope that would happen. So yesterday uh, in our oneness group, you had why well, I reflected on uh, um, a question that you had asked me Um <clears throat> when you said, you know, if your father, we were talking about grief in this session. And, you know, there was a couple that shared about their grief story. And the gentleman in particular, he talked about how when his wife's mom died, he didn't feel, you know, a sense of connection because he didn't feel like she was the best person to her daughter or to him. And so when, she, you know, his grieving process for his daughter's wife, his daughter's mom was somewhat, um, you know, cold and insensitive. And you had asked me a question. He was like, you know, well, if your father passed away, you know, in the relationship that you had with him, um, you know, how would you feel? And I, you know, I said to you, you know, that I would feel, you know, grief, I'd feel sad. And, and sometimes it's a lot of the grief is because of the expectation that we have in our minds or the, the, the needs that we want to see met. Now, when you look at the fact that, you know, you had a, a stepdad who stepped in to, you know, be your, your dad, right? But you still felt like there was something missing from you. Do you feel like the piece that was missing affected you in your growth as a woman throughout your life at different points in your life? Mm. How did not having your biological father, you feel like, impact you? Do you feel like it did at all? I think his absence impacted me more than his presence would have. Mm. So I don't know what life would have been like with him because I've never experienced that. So I don't know like who I would have been or, you know, how I would have been if he had been present. I would say that what shaped my 
life as a woman is the fact that he wasn't there. And so it was the rejection and the abandonment that I felt as a child, as a girl, that then kind of pushed into like how I ended up, you know, relating to men and relationships. How did you relate to men? Um, I was just very attention seeking. I just I, I craved attention all the time. I felt like I needed to be seen. Um, I think I always felt like the less than in mm. the room, you know, if I had a group of female friends, I always kind of felt like the less than. Um, and then I just kind of carried this viewpoint that, you know, if my biological father didn't want me, then nobody else would. And so I didn't necessarily even expect That's people. Heavy. Yeah. I didn't expect people to stay. I didn't expect people to want to be a long term, you know, constituent in my life because I just felt like the only person who was obligated to do that didn't. Mm. So I cannot expect it that from anybody else mm-hmm. um so i think you know his absence it definitely did you know do something and again it's Can not you say that line again this absence did his absence in my life did more for me than his presence probably would have uh. um because uh, you know i can't compare uh. lives because i don't know i see how my little sister living mm. you know and you know that's a nice life she lives She's there. the youngest. She is. She's a baby and spoiled rotten. That mm. little girl gets every single thing she wants. Um, And so honestly, growing up, one of the ways that I had to resolve my father not being there is by thinking, okay, well, had he been here, I probably would have been a totally different person and I just wouldn't be who I am today. It's possible that I wouldn't have achieved everything that I achieved today. Like, I don't know why he was Do you feel there. like a part of you, like, because you used to... St- struggle with perfectionism oh, I, I used to strip I was like, no no i no. never did that i met you in a little stripper club <laughs> like you you st- used to struggle with perfectionism do you feel like a part of your mindset was um the way that i'm going to fill in this void is i'm going to be x y and z you know what i mean yeah but that w- yeah and i and i think mm, i think my um my my father's story is not perfect on either side so with my biological father and with my stepfather there were issues in both relationships early on um, and so I think some of who I became is not even all a result of my biological father's absence but some of it stemmed from or came just from some of the struggles that mm. I experienced with my stepfather when we when I was younger mm-hmm. um, and so I you know there are I feel like for me... I have a question about that, too. Yeah. I feel like for me, like, I ended up dealing with things because of both. So, Mm -hmm. both of my um, father relationships were... Had some struggles. Um, Well, one had some struggles and one wasn't there. So, Mm -hmm. I think I just kind of ended up battling things on both fronts from both of those relationships. So, Mm -hmm. I don't put it all on. Now, both, both of your fathers, like, they know... They know the Lord, right? They know God, mm-hmm. right? Like, mm-hmm. at this point in their life, from what you can see, so there seems to be, um, you know, some sort of transformation. Like, Eric, he, he's a deacon? Yeah, he's a deacon. He's a deacon? Mm-hmm. Deacon Eric. Mm-hmm. Um, deacon Williams. Deacon Williams. <laughs> deacon Williams. And Curtis is a minister, mm-hmm. right? An elder. An elder. Elder, minister, a leader, right? Yeah. Within a church culture. Yeah. Like, why do you feel it is, though, like it's do or do you feel like seeing their transformation? Has it made it easier for you to accept the things that, you know, their flaws do you all your childhood? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I think even with my stepfather I, and I only I, I am only calling him that because I'm talking about it. both okay. fathers. So yeah. I just want to make that disclaimer. Um, I think with him, 
I think, you know, his life has shown me the redemptive grace of, of Christ and just what it looks like when someone truly like yields and how possible it is for people to change and to transform and to become. And so um, I think it makes it a little easier I, to be honest with him, with my bio dad. I don't know that it really affects much at all. I think with him, aside from religion, it just, you know, I just came to a resolve within myself and I don't honestly, I don't feel like him being a deacon in the church has anything to do with it or his relationship with God has anything to do with my ability to forgive him and be able to just kind of move forward with life. And I have come to a place of understanding and acceptance with my father. Like I fully understand that he is not who I expected him to be what to do you be mean? as a father. Like he's just not, you know, those, the, the mindsets and the things that I would think of would be present or how he would treat me or, and he's not rude to me or mean to me or anything. Like we have a good relationship, yeah. but he's not as active as I would like him to be. And there are certain things that I have to accept. Like this is just our relationship yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's just going to be that way. And you know what I mean? Like when we talk, we talk and you know, he'll reach out and I'll reach out and you know, we have a, a working relationship. I still wish there was more to it, mm. but I am accepting that this is probably just what it's going to be. And that's okay. Yeah. Um, right. So, and we talked about that too. Yeah. The grief part or for myself was grieving the expectations, you know, like, cause my father, like I had to, like when I listened to his story, you know, recognize that he uh, had been raising himself since the age of 13, like literally out on the street or, or, you know, doing whatever he needed to do, I had to understand, like, this dude doesn't have father skills or, like, he know he does what he knows to do. And anybody who knows Badgett, like, he he's not even a love him or hate him guy. Like, you either love him or you like him, you know, because he's not a dude that you feel like, I can't deal with this dude. He's not that guy. He's a lovable or likable guy. I say like because he'll probably get on your nerves because he's loud. He's, uh, Just you know. Just like you. He's whatever. Like he's loud. He's abrasive. He's 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 a different dude. You know what I mean? But I think part of my releasing process was accepting him for who he is and not imprisoning him for who he's not. Absolutely. So switching gears because I feel like we always talk about daddy issues from a vantage point of a female not having a father or having daddy issues and how that affects us as women. But the reality is that daddy issues also affect men. True indeed. And there's also a place for you guys to be able to share your story. So how did, because you have your own dynamics yeah, with yeah, your, yeah. your bio dad and your stepdad. So how can you talk a little bit about just your experience? With that? You did that really good. You, you're getting good at this. I'm very good at this. Oprah Gale thing, maybe. I not don't want to be reference. Gale right now. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, we're moving on past <laughs> Um No, I think, um, I think it was the year... Maybe 2000. Oh, you're about to go. All no, 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 no. <laughs> I'm not going that far back. 2010. Maybe 2000. Nah. No, it was like 2012, I think. 2000, one of them years where I went to a conference. And at the conference, you know, it was a conference in Canada. Have you been to Canada? Mm-hmm. I'm just so mad. You've gotten to do way more I'm traveling not, than I, I have. Didn't, do anything so we went to detroit and it's very easy to get to canada from detroit but i think it was like new year's day so everything was closed so i couldn't do uh, anything no we was there for like the weekend but i physically like i, I physically envy been there. your old life 
Yeah, I was out. I want to do stuff. Dude, I can't wait to get back there. Okay, great. <laughs> so now at the conference, and a dude was like, you know, he was like, you know, you. I went up for prayer because it was like a really spiritual atmosphere. Like I've never seen anything like this before. It was crazy, almost spooky crazy. And it was like, oh, this is different. You know, a bunch of crazy white folks doing weird stuff. <laughs> and, and white folks, you know, in the world, they don't care. Now, white folks in the Christendom of spiritual realms, oh, they they were super Say, different. Tell your story. But anyways, <laughs> <laughs> you be going off because I was like, ah, I just had this visual. <sighs> they was doing weird okay, stuff. Okay, tell your but story. But anyways, I digress. Clearly. <laughs> and so I had went up for prayer, and I had really uh, felt uh, a strong level of bitterness coming out of my body, mm. and I like was this anger. And the dude started to pray for me, and he was like, what is that? Who is that? And I was like, that's my daddy. That's my father. And I was like, you I could. sound demented like that? I did, because I, I didn't realize. <laughs> okay, moving on. You can finish. Go ahead. Go ahead. So I, had, I, I didn't know that it was there. So that's why, as it was coming up, I was like, I thought. That's uh, my father. I was not a demon, okay? <laughs> Don't make fun of my pain and my deliverance moment, okay? So, anyways, he was going to pray for me. And then this girl, she was saying something. It was like, it wasn't like black folks' loud stuff. This is my point. She was like this little white girl with glasses. She was probably whispering in your ear. She Release. was literally. Release, let it go. No, she was let doing it. Go. It, it was let like it that, but she said okay. something that I'll never forget. She said, that which is not supposed to be in you needs to come out of you. Yay! And she was just, it was just like this gentle prayer. And she was praying, you know, more love into me. Like, literally. She was like... Let me hold your hand while you tell the story. Okay, thank you. She was praying more love into me. And I was like, I was so stunned. Yeah. You know, because I didn't realize that the love that was missing was the love that I was not showing him. Oh. You're being super dramatic oh right God. now. Okay. Because oh oh, we're done with your story. No, I'm, I'm okay. engaging in your story. Okay, well, you're making a bunch of faces and stuff. Okay. I was, that was my cry okay. face. Do a real cry. I can't right Okay. Now. But anyways, no, I didn't realize that. And so I was like, yo, I didn't realize I was holding on to this this long. And it's 2013 to 2012. I was 32. Do you feel like your daddy issues played a role in your narcissism stage? Yes. Can you talk about yeah. how you feel? We, like we're getting to a whole nother episode because nah, you go going heavy. I'm sweating now. Now I'm getting sweating. I do sweat. when I turn on, you know, the host. Uh. <laughs> uh, this is, uh, but I feel Oh, that's like, a heavy one. I'm getting you, all anxious, babe. I'm sweating. <laughs> you always get anxious when I start Because I didn't want to, you don't stuff. be, like you did with your little divorce episode. I wasn't ready. Like, now there I'm all is, sweating. There is no, no such thing as ready. <sighs> we're talking about You didn't plan this. This wasn't in the show notes. God. We're talking about daddy issues and how they affected, but we were supposed to, we talked about me, but I just feel like so many people talk about it from the viewpoint of a woman. And uh, I think it's important to talk about it as well from a viewpoint of a man. So you uh, had a phase in your life where you were an extreme narcissist. Extreme. And that was one of the things that played into the, the demise of your marriage. True. So how do you feel like your daddy issues? Oh. Uh. 
ran, you me emotional. ran into you the night. Give me emotional. I'm trying, <laughs> trying to keep it together. I wasn't ready. <laughs> if you know, cuz you messed with my stuff. That was supposed to be in another episode. But, anyways. Well, we're not talking in depth about it. I just want to know how. Nah, it's it good. It's, it's legit. It's legit. It's legit. I think narcissism, if you know anything about narcissism, it's about self preservation. And I'm going to protect myself at all costs. So, nothing. It's like. The old school, I'm rubber, your glue, what bounces off of me sticks back to you. Mm-hmm. It's that magnified. So to keep you from hurting me, it always has to be you who is the problem. It always has to be you who, you know, is a threat to me. So if I'm going to protect myself because I don't want to get hurt anymore, I want to throw these walls up, and I need to fuel this idea of what safety looks like, it's a false idea, mm-hmm. then I have to barricade everybody out, but not just barricade them. I have to kill them, you know, before mm. they can cause real damage to me. And so how would I kill? I would kill through uh, things that I would say, uh, just uh, being guarded, not allowing you in. It's always your fault. You are the person that did X, Y, and Z. And so, yeah, I think, you know, being let down, like the little boy who is waiting for his dad to pick him up, looking out the window. That's how I felt in 2016 when right. I had made plans to meet with my father. And I got there, and I texted him, and he he texted me back and said something crazy like, oh, I just got pulled over by the police. And I was like, mm. okay, and? And he never responded and legit never heard from him again until like two years later. Wow. And I was in California. Maybe he went to jail after the pullover. For two years, <laughs> right. But I've I've I just, I've ticket. related to that feeling like okay I'm sitting here waiting for you and yeah. where are you? Yeah, no, I mean because you don't want to experience the letdown, and so narcissism it it's very relatable for men because we have to build up a defense mechanism, mm-hmm. and we have to present as though we are in control of the situation, right? Because mm-hmm. all these these things that that suggest this is what a man should do, a man is, and so on and so forth. So I just became abusive in my behavior in my relationships, and I was not having a whole lot of successful relationships at all. And so, you know, I think I look back, you know, uh, him not showing up to stuff or him saying he was going to. And the difference between me and you was like, he was right around the corner. Like he lived 15 minutes away. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't like, oh man, I got to travel to a whole nother part of Los Angeles or I have to leave college to go back. You know what I'm saying? Not to cut you off. No, I'm good. That was another part of my story that I didn't share. So when I first started looking for my father, I lived in California. And the entire time that I was looking for my father while I lived in California, I could not find him. I ended up getting accepted into grad school in Alabama, and so I moved 3,000 miles away to Alabama. Within the first two weeks, I think it was really the first week of me being in Alabama, I found my father. Mm. And I always thought that was interesting because it turned out that he lived maybe 45 minutes to an hour away from where I was when I had been looking for him the entire time in California. But God did not allow me to find him until I was far away from him. Yeah. And I still don't understand, like, the why behind that. Because I literally, when I found my father in, in Alabama, I was like, okay, God, I lived not that far from this man and you would not release him. Yeah. And as soon as I move, now you want to release him. And now I'm so far away. Like I can't just drop. And I don't know. And I choose to believe that that was God protecting me from something. I definitely like, see that. That was protection. Like if he, like he you was found like, out no. how close he was like that literally could have put you into a spiral of, 
you know, different mindset because now you can see, you could drive up to where you think he might be or, you know, oh, you me, see him. Let me shout out my daddy, my, my stepdaddy daddy. Because when that December 2016 incident happened and my dad knew I was supposed to meet with my bio he ready dad. To pull up. Ready. He was like, where he live? You know where he live? Because we drive by there right now. The little Listen. Curtis. Little Curtis Page. <laughs> he was ready to pull up. Little Curtis Page. He was Page. like, where they live? Because I'll take you. We'll pull up right Good now. We'll just, cowboy we'll just pull up. What are you going to say? What are you going to do if you show up at the door? Come Listen, on. my daddy was ready, okay? Put your orthopedic sneakers on. <laughs> Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay, but getting back into it. You feel like nah, a boy. Nah, like, so looking at that, even as we're talking now, like, understanding that, because I also shared um, in a group yesterday that, I had sent my father $50 and the crazy part was, so I sent it on Venmo Mm -hmm. and I didn't know that on Venmo, unless you put it on private, everybody can see your transactions happening. And I was like, Oh, I didn't know that. We found that out in the session where somebody was in the group was like, yeah, uh, you sent your father $50. I was like, how, you know, you know what I mean? But it was like a public thing, a public declaration because I had never, I've never given my father money. Like, ever like on purpose because i feel like yo no you know how many birthdays you didn't give me nothing or how many such and such you didn't do and blah 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 and you always broke you are all these things like anger feud Mm -hmm. uh thoughts and not just thoughts like i i would go in on my father like we would argue like (laughs) like and you talk about loud Loud versus loud? I don't even want to imagine what a bow bad and raw bad <laughs> argument looks like. Man, listen, nothing is getting accomplished. I would probably in that. walk out. I don't want to hear this. This is loud. <laughs> <laughs> nothing is getting accomplished in that thing at all. But the crazy part, this is the dysfunctional part of us. Like, is this feeding back into the narcissism question? Yes. Okay. <laughs> yes. Is that we would go ham. But then act like it didn't happen at all. Like we wouldn't unpack it at all. And so even with narcissism traits, it's like, dude, you can go hard on somebody and you expect them to just snap right out of it because it didn't affect you like that. Like you just screaming on them. Yeah, da, 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 da. I used to do that in my marriage with the woman that I was married to. I would say some heavy things, but because I didn't feel them, or I didn't see why they were a big deal. I'm like, you should suck that up. Let's keep it moving. What are we eating for dinner? Dude, you just devoured yeah. this person. You so know what I'm saying? So like you like the the arguments and the 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 conflict between you and your father pushed you into being like that? Like I'm trying to get the connection between Yeah, I think the relationship mm-hmm. shaped a dysfunctional man, you know? And so the other side of the story of with um the guy that prayed for me at the altar was it was two people that I said that there was heavy bitterness. One was my ex-wife and the other one was my, my father. And those two people, those were the only two people on the planet earth that had the ability that in their presence, the conversations, it would send me into a spiral all the time, like over the smallest things until I released them, obviously. But yeah, did I answer your question? I don't feel like I have a good answer. What don't you hear? I gave you a lot of so, meat on that okay. bone, man. So you feel you like said does the relationship that I had my father feed into you becoming a narcissist? And I said yes, yes. And the reason why that happened was because of I the said relationship. Bec- <laughs> no, I said because as a narcissist, you develop this 
you're trying behavioral to, yeah, patterns. Everything is everybody right. else's fault. That is a byproduct of me protecting myself from my father's so hurt. So you okay? So because your father did all of these things to you, and you got to a place to where you had to figure out self-preservation. Yep. Was what it was. Yep. You not only you're not going to pick him, me up. I don't depend on gotcha. people. You're going to say things and not do them. I don't set myself up to expect anything. So you didn't, you went into self-preservation from the world and not just from your father. Absolutely. Absolutely. Robert Connolly, he told me one year, we was in our 20s, he was like, yo, he didn't know what he was saying at this time, but neither did I, but I knew I didn't like it. He was like, yo, he said, you don't allow anybody to get close enough to hurt you. And I was like, how did he know that? I never told him that. But it was the truth. He's like, yo, he's like, you can't be in no love, no relationship with anybody successfully unless you lo- unless you allow them to get close enough to hurt you. And I was like, nah, I'm not doing that. So how are you in this relationship? And I was married at the time when he told me that. I was like, yeah, whatever. That- how do you feel like, so aside even from the narcissism piece, how else do you feel like your daddy issues, even with, your stepdad. Yeah, how, did, yeah, yeah, yeah. how else do you feel like that played in just? Babe, into we like, doing like two episodes here. Okay, well, it's this fine. is it. This Keep is it. Going. How else do you feel like? Well, there's still something else we gotta touch on. But how uh, how else do you feel like those relationships like went into how you viewed relationships uh, or approached relationships? No, nah, that's a good one I, because, like you, I had a stepdad who you know married my mom when I was eight years old. And he was around. I don't remember much about him before eight years old. And you know, we all married and moved to the same house. Other than maybe the first time that I met him, and he was this quiet dude, but he, um, another one, he didn't. I don't. His presence came with an expectation that wasn't really met. Like he was from the school of you just provide for your family. Mm-hmm. You go out, you work, do what you need to do. We ain't gotta play no basketball. We ain't gotta talk. Like, I don't got to talk to he you. Make sure the bills are paid. And bills are paid, food was on the table. You had clothes on your back. Right, because he was a survivor. He was taking care of kids. And still works like that to this to day. To this day. He had <laughs> his first child when he was 14 years old. Oh. Right, so he, I didn't know that his first name was Jetty until he just and told so you. I don't think he wanted everybody to know that. Well, he told you, whatever. In private. I felt a certain way because I was life. like, I was like, yo. I didn't know your first name was really Jetty and you changed it. I was mad, but I walked well, no, away. You didn't know. Knows. I walked away. Y'all need to you know. You were upset? I felt some type of way because you be getting all these little. But I asked. I saw it on the wall and I said something about it. That was part of no, the problem. No, I, I saw his you name. Be asking questions. No, no, no. He was just like, it said his name on the thing. He, my but then he was my like. be feeling some type of way because his family loves me. And I be getting the inside. Because <laughs> he was like, he was like, actually, <laughs> my first name is Jetty. I was like. When he came of age. Well, who are you, sir? He changed it. I was like, I didn't, I didn't know that. I felt so <laughs> slighted. I felt so slighted. Uh, and you didn't even dig like that. But anyways. Um, but. they love me who he is who you see today that was not who he was when we were growing up like he didn't have the communication skills at all you know what i mean like he didn't talk he came in hey hey hey. he went in his room he had a glass of soda with some ice a glass of pepsi with some ice he ate his dinner he watched some tv and he went to bed and he did it all over again so i think for me 
the way that that impacted me. Like it didn't teach me how to communicate, mm-hmm. how your feelings and you know uh, interact and engage. And you see this with our kids. I'm like sometimes it's overly excessive. Like, dude, like okay, we get it, you know. But I feel like I'm going to overdo it, and then you'll sort it out. Yeah. You know, I'm not gonna not do anything, and let I me mean, overdo everything. And then you'll sort it out. One of the things about parenting that I learn and that I am still learning is that you have to learn how to give what you've never had. Mm-hmm. Because there are so many things that your children need that you can say, well, I'm, I, I don't do that because that's not what my parents yes, do. Yes, I hate but that. But that is such a that. detriment to your children because the reality is a lot of parents are not affectionate. But do your children need affection? Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like they need to hear the words, right. I love you. And there are so many people who raised who were raised in homes where they just didn't say it or they right. didn't hug you. And, and you know what I mean? Like that's not a privilege right, right, <laughs> that your right. kids get when you hug them or when you tell them you love them. Like that's something that they should always right. be able to hear. That's something they should always feel because if they don't get it from you, yeah, yeah. they're going to get it from somebody else. And so a lot yeah. of people fall into this mindset. Well, my daddy wasn't there, so I don't right. know what that feels like. So I just don't give it to my kids. You have to learn yeah, how I to be the your, parent that you didn't have. Your presence in our world has really like it's 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 caused me to look at things in my blind spots that I didn't see, mm-hmm. you know, because I'm I'm a I'm a I'm a quality time dad, right? Like mm-hmm. I'll do quality because you know quality for me means you're present. Yeah, you ain't trying right? to spend no money. <laughs> <laughs> quality means presence, right? Because I had didn't have the presence. What I don't add in the quality was you know, physical touch and, you know, words of affirmation. Like, I'll, I'll have moments where I'll say things, but it's like dad tone. You know what I mean? But you are like, I love you. And, you know, they love it. At first, they was like, ah, but now, hey, I love you. Because they want it. They want it. Like, every human wants healthy uh, behavior. They just don't know how to get it. And so when you came in and you're like, I love you, and now they'll call and say stuff like, ah, and you see it, the love that you, the verbal love that you brought and the physical touch part, like it broke down their walls in a way that I even, you know, didn't. it doesn't come organically for you me. Cry, cry. Right now, cry. You're stupid. Get emotional. <laughs> Get emotional. <laughs> right. right. Cry. Press seven. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. All right. Yeah. Babe, I don't know if we can fit the Kimmy talk into this episode. It's not. No, we're fitting that in. But we also want to talk about raising a daughter. Um, But that's probably something that we'll push to the next episode because this one got really long. Mm -hmm. So we are going to take a quick break and we're going to come back for the next segment of Can We Talk? Can we talk for a minute? Hey, R&B family. So I want to reach out to my biological and stepdad to try to restore the relationships that we once had. But for the longest, all I've known is rejection from both of them. How do I go about hoping for a different outcome, yet preparing myself for maybe the worst again? First of all, that was a really <laughs> heavy question. That was deep. Um, uh, yeah, shout out to our listener who sent that in. Um, that was deep. So essentially, the question is, she wants to go and restore the relationships yeah, yeah, between yeah. her dad and her stepdad, and 
How does she do that? Who both um, have been a pattern of rejection and mm-hmm, letdowns. Mm-hmm. You can start, then I'll finish. Because mm. you, you, you kind of reached out to your pops yeah. circa via social media. I think it's important, and kind of like what we talked about a little bit earlier. I think before you do that, I want you to take a second to really examine who they are now outside of your expectations for who you want them to be. Because I think as you are thinking about restoring relationships and reaching out, you do not want to restore a relationship with the person that you hope them to be. True. That you miss restoring a relationship with who they actually are. Or that you can make an assessment, do I even want to do this? Yeah, yeah. Or how, how should I do based on Based on me accepting who they are, how much of a relationship am I willing to extend? Right. Because the reality is, you guys, and we know this, like when you are hurt by somebody, you don't have to be buddy-buddy with them. You just need to forgive them. However, I do applaud your heart and your wanting to be able to reach out and restore those relationships. So my first advice would be to examine, to think about, like, who, who is this person? And am I okay with accepting them as they are? One question that we talk about when you're getting married, you know, is if this person were to never change, would you be okay? All right, all right. Can you spend the rest of your life with this person if who they are today was who they will always be? And I think it's the same type of concept when you think about this because when we talk about parental relationships, mm-hmm. we so often struggle and get so heartbroken by the expectation we have in our mind of who they should be, what they should be to us. So I want you to, to understand and to think about like, if this person is who they are, the way that I see them today, am I okay with still allowing them that space in my heart? Mm-hmm. How much of my of the space in my heart am I willing to give them? And how can I facilitate a healthy relationship around who they currently are? Yeah, I think also one thing that I've learned about forgiveness is that forgiveness has very little to do with the other person. Oh, and it's, all about, and it's all about your ability to let go and move on. I think the first thing that you definitely have to do is do your own heart I check. Gave the first thing to, you know. This is from my <laughs> first thing, from my opinion, is that you have to check your heart. Yeah, and if you still have some things that are harbored in your heart, those things are just going to vomit out into the relationship yeah. or to whoever that person is. So do a heart check yeah. first. And then if you feel like, yo, I'm, I'm okay. And after what she said is that they seem to be at a place where we can have a a feasible communication of whatever. Do small drips of it. It may Mm -hmm. just be a small starting off with a text conversation. The text might grow into a coffee date. Mm -hmm. Small drips. Because here's what I realize about a lot of, especially as being a parent, is that a lot of people have no idea how to be parents. Like, they don't. They Like, you suck at it. You know what I mean? And it's like... Nobody admittedly says, yo, I suck at it. Like the the woman who's drug addicted and has all these issues and puts her kid up in adoption. And then years later, the kid comes back like, why? It's like, well, I had no idea what I needed to do or how to do it. So it's assessing that a good 60% of parents have no idea what they're doing. And most of them, you know, I think a lot of times one thing that we negate is that parents only do what they were taught to do. True indeed. So it's not like they don't want to be good parents. They just don't know how because who they had as parents did the same thing to them. And so, you know, hurt people hurt people. And so I think that it's just important. I, I do love what he said about checking your heart. Like, why do you want the relationship? What are you hoping to gain from the relationship? Um, what are you willing to give into the relationship? Because it is a two-way street. Um, and then when we talk about 
expectations and preparing for the worst but hoping for the best i think it's uh, important to come into it with no expectations Mm -hmm. like i just wouldn't have any because you don't want to set yourself up for failure you don't want to oh i'm about to go in and we're going to talk and we're going to have this beautiful relationship and then it doesn't happen so as much as you can i would say to limit your expectations to zero to none and just you can go in i don't i feel like the bible talks about hoping so you can have a hope but I don't want you to put so much into that to where you're just like, oh, we're about to be besties, right? Yeah, hope because, makes the heart grow sick. Yeah, that mm-hmm. that might not that might not be. Um, but definitely, if you feel, I feel like yeah, you know, yeah. if you feel like God is placing it on your heart to do this, then it's probably something you should do. Um, but I do think it's important, like we said, to check your heart's posture, make sure that you're in the right place to be able to have these right. types of conversations, and then assess just kind of like how right how this person is, right. and if you're willing to accept them. N- as they are right and all things get understanding mm-hmm. there is breakthrough and understanding it's getting to a place like yo i understand you you don't have the tools you're not it and i'm okay with that or you know we can but get understanding so that you can move on but and it's a process yeah remember that too it's a process it's so it might not you know you might reach out with a text message and not right, get right. one back right away. Right, 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 you know right. what I mean? But don't right. let that deter you. Oh, well, he didn't respond to my text yeah. message, so I'm just going to leave it alone. It's a process. Like he says, small drips and just do your best to hold on to faith and know yeah. that, you know, no matter what, you're going to be all right. That's it. All right. Submit your questions. Can we talk? You know what to do. You can email us at theclassicrmblife at gmail.com if you have questions or um, if you are tuned into our anchor page, you can favorite the podcast and then you can also send your questions in via anchor. If you don't want to do all that, you can hit me up and I can tell you how to very easily do it as well. So make sure you hit us with your questions. All right, let's wrap it up. Hit a, fl- a flow freestyle right now about daddy issues and go. Yo, 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 yo. My flow is ready on go. I used to be so, so broke. But since God came in, now I'm whole. I don't really have to deal with that no more. Because I let the forgiveness hit me from the floor. And it built me back up. And I'm feeling brand new. Guess what? Now he'll do it just for you. You ain't got to harbor it. You can let it all go. Let God know how the pain really flows. When you want to let it go, you will be free. You ain't got to ask me. Just ask B. Latrice. Thank y'all for tuning in. We'll holla. Peace. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Classic R&B Podcast. To keep the conversation going, be sure to check us out on Facebook at The Classic R&B Life, on Instagram at Our Classic R&B Life, or you can check out our website at theclassicrnblife.com. We can't wait to hear from you. Peace.